Hey everybody, tonight we're getting started on our podcast and we're welcoming you all back into the studio. I'm with Dave. Hey Rusty, back in the studio. Um, kind of getting uh, getting my head wrapped around a uh, upcoming fishing trip. Uh, we're going up into western Ontario. Yeah, you know what I like about tonight's podcast? It's going to be a little bit casual. The fact that uh, we don't have a guest, but what we're going to do is we're going to talk about there's a fishing trip in our future. How do you prepare for a trip like this? How do you get ready? We haven't been there before, and we're going to share some thoughts we have about how to get ready for a trip, and we're going to share a few stories about trips we've already had. Yeah, I think um, given this 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 type of trip where we're flying in, uh, going up to this outfitter and um, uh, yeah, it's it'd be it's a little north of the, the Boundary Waters, uh, Minnesota, and um, um, preparatory piece for food supplies, uh, maybe some beverages. Uh, they're going to uh, get all that together and fly it up. It reminds me of the last trip that we took. Um, I think it was more eastern Ontario where we went to uh, this fly-in and they and they flew some of our provisions up and the uh, the camp caretaker who I think was an ex-con on the run uh, Barry uh, pilfered all of our uh, fresh vegetables and other uh, food supplies I think all we had was like meat for like five days well as I recall Barry had a warrant out for his arrest and uh, he wasn't allowed to he go was, back to the mainland. He was hiding out the island up in the bush. Because if he went back to the mainland, they were going to arrest him. Well, I, I, I do know one thing. Uh, at the time, my son, uh, Jake, he he, uh, he smoked. He doesn't smoke anymore, but he was smoked at the time. And he took, I don't know, a carton of cigarettes up. He was selling those to Barry for like $20 a pack. And... Uh, well, that was a, that was Barry's only connection to the outside world, was your son. I mean, uh, other than that, he had... Uh, he had very little opportunity to touch the outside world. Yeah, so, but, but that was a good trip, and I think what happened here, maybe some historical um, reference to that trip, we went way ah, orientation for for uh, or geographic piece, you know, north, south, east, west. I, I, I want to say northeast in this lake. You and I were in the boat, and I caught a, I don't know, probably a forty incher pike maybe 12 pounds 15 pounds something yeah. like that yeah it was a big mother uh on an ultralight with a white grub right mr twister right uh, leadhead grub 50 cent lure <laughs> and, and and you you happen to send that in to to the boys at in fisherman oh they loved it and i think that's what spurred where we're going now right i mean what, what how, how did you come up with the uh, the the lake where we're going now with the uh, smallmouth well i was so amazed that you caught such an enormous fish with such light tackle and a 50 cent lure and i'm on this uh stream where i listen to the in fishermen guys and i watch all their posts and they put all these pictures up of fishermen every day and the fish they caught and i uh I was able to use direct messaging, and I got to them, and I said, we had a phenomenal trip, and I said, I want to show you a picture of something we caught on an ultralight. Six-pound uh, test. A six-pound test and a 50-cent lure. 
And the guy was like, holy smoke. He said, can you send that to me? He said, I'm going to put that on the site. And that developed a little conversation between him and I. And he was very interested in where we went, what we did. They did post it. You looked really good in that, as a matter of fact. You looked like you were, uh, you know, it looked like it was twice that big because of the way the camera angle was. Sure, you hold it straight out and it looks bigger. Oh, God, yeah. That's the key. That's the key to taking pictures. And then I said to him, as good as this was, this is not our dream trip. Our dream trip is to catch the smallmouth. We like the smallmouth. Smallmouth bass, to me. Uh, nothing more than the smallmouth and fighting. And those, those, those little buggers will, um, man, they'll, they'll take a lure and, and bite and go, and they'll break water and... Uh, you catch a four or five pound small, you, you, you think you caught a whale. I said to him, I said, we want to go somewhere and just have a week of smallmouth. I said, what would you recommend? And he said, I got a little place I've been to, a little bit of a secret, called Nestor Falls, but it's in southwestern Ontario versus where we were, which was northeastern Ontario. Yep, yeah. And you have to get down south a bit, as you recall, because once you hit a certain line, there are no bass up there anymore. No, there's a latitude that is pretty much a demarcation between bass and no bass. And even even the rock bass disappear. It's this weird latitude. And once you go beyond that, you're left with uh, pike, maybe muskie, lake trout. Walleye. Uh, uh, walleye. That's the predominant fish. Up the pickerel. Pickerel. The, the pickerel. The pickerel for you folks out in the Tumwaiwa. The pickerel. Hey, by the way, where is a Tumwaiwa? Have you ever been there? No, sir. You know who's been there? Who's that? Radar O'Reilly. <laughs> that's where Radar O'Reilly's from on MASH. Did you know that? Is that right? Yeah, that's why you say it. <laughs> Anyhow, he said this is this is a little this is a little fly-in deal. And whenever you have a fly-in, this is for our listening audience, if you want to go somewhere and say, I want to be sure I catch fish this week, do a fly-in. Because if they can't get cars there, they clearly don't have as much fishing pressure. Right, right. No, I think this is a great spot. you got a good pick. When I look, pulled up the map, um, the, Nestor Falls, the outfitter, has two cabins on this lake, one on an island. And the other one on the uh, on the looks like the the western shore. Um, we, we've got the cabin on the island, and they have sixteen foot lungs, I think, with the fifteen horse uh, four stroke Yamahas. There's another lake off to the uh, northwest that is a, a bit of a hike or portage. They have boats back there, I think, and I think that has musky and um, a little bit of bass back in there. So, obviously, we're going up there with a goal to catch smallmouth. Um, let's start talking about the fish. So, in the lake are smallmouth, muskies, and lake trout. We've got pretty good experience with smallmouth. So, talk about your three favorite lures you're going to tee up for your first day venturing out, trying to catch smallmouth, and where do we think they are? Because we've never fished there. We don't know the hot spots. No, and I think what's going to be uh, uh, advantageous for us is is for you to take that uh, fish finder. I am. I'm looking forward to the fish finder just for structure. But if I had to pick my three lures in the box and I'm going to be dropped uh, from a plane, speaking of which, just real quick, 
drop from a plane. I, I, I constantly go back to when we went up to the Des Moines, decided to go canoeing and get dropped into this river, high, high-rated uh, uh, river in the world for rapids, class, I think it was class six. We got dropped in the middle of this river, and the pilot is powering enough to stay uh, steady because the river's coming down, and he screams over at us and says, get the F out of the plane. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, get out of the effing plane. Well, he couldn't hold it. He couldn't hold the plane so, still because the current was so high. I, I, Kevin and I, my cousin, you know, I, we, I got in the boat, uh, the, the, the canoe uh, busted it off the, the pontoon, got in that, had him throw down our packs, and we got in, and he flew off. But anyways. Um, so you got it, three lures in the I, box. If, you're going to be, you're gonna be you're if, stuck in the wilderness for a month. You've got three lures in the box. Never been on the lake before. What are you bringing? I, I would bring a white lead head with uh, twister tails. Uh, you know, two or three white, two or three black, two or three chartreuse. Then I would, uh, uh, I, I like a stick bait, a nice floating minnow stick bait, uh, maybe a countdown or a floater. And then the other one would be um, probably some sort of uh, top water, uh, you know, like a torpedo or a frog or something like that. That surprises me a little bit. You didn't mention one of the one of the rigs you taught me. I never really heard of. Well, I, I but that the one you're about to talk about is Texas rig. Well, I'll tell you that's been a. We've harvested a lot of fish off that. How do you set that thing up, anyhow? I, I got that from my my uh, my cousin Paul, who is pretty much the uh, fish whisperer. Uh, he he is a true backwoods hillbilly that can uh, pull a, pull a fish out of a creek, uh, a lake, uh, anytime, anywhere. But he he showed me this Texas rig, and you take it like a number one aught true turn hook. Put it on your line, but before you tie it on, run it through a bullet weight. Then tie your hook on. Then you take a, a, a worm, a plastic rubber worm. I prefer black with chartreuse tail. That's my kind of my go-to. You can do some white with black. but And uh, you run it through, and when you cast it, um, because that bullet weight slides, um, it, it creates this kind of this floating effect of the uh, of the lure. So we call it Texas rig. I don't know. They must have, must have come up with it in Texas, but uh, it works real well. Back in the kind of, you know, creek openings and uh, weed areas, it uh, it seems to be what a, a nice weedless uh, setup. Well, I can remember I can remember the day that I embraced the Texas rig. We were on another river, and the river was called the Ottawa. And we were trying, it's a big river and there was quite a bit of big water out there, but we were looking here, looking there, and we saw a little tiny inlet. It was a Creek. I can't remember the name, had a name and it was a, it was logging country. So there were logs cut that were down in the water that didn't make it through. They got stuck. And as we motored up the creek, the water was so clear, you could see 15, 25 feet deep, all these logs down in there. And if you would take that Texas rig and throw it out there and just creep it across the log and let it fall, every time we did it, we caught a smallmouth. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. 
It was it was bizarre. I bet we caught what a hundred each that day. Easy. Yep. yep. I mean, it got to be where it was kind of like stupid fishing. It was like, hey, look over there. I better catch one there. Throw it over. Boom. Three to five pound <laughs> smallmouth all day long. Now, there's a lot of guys I read in these magazines that'll say, well, bass fishing's fun, but you don't want to eat them. What's your read on that? I like the bass. I'm not a I'm not a uh, a fish snob. Yeah, okay, walleye is good. I like it, but when you're up in the bush and you got a couple cold uh, Canadians, um, you know, you pan fry uh, uh, some bass fillets up. I think it tastes pretty good. I'm with you on that. I think that uh, I was doing some reading this week about the three species we're going after: um, smallmouth, musky, and lake trout. And pretty much the web says, absolutely eat those bass. If if you catch them and you eat them that day, those fillets are just as good as cod. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with them. I agree. Well, let's go on to the other species that now we have no experience with whatsoever. Lake trout. Lake trout. Or musky. I've never fished for musky. You know, you see that you see that the, the fish of a 10,000 cast, um, I would imagine they're probably the same genus pool as the uh, pike, northern pike, different species. So, yeah, from what I read this week, they are kind of like uh, pike senior. They're they're same family, like you said, but, boy, they're big. They're, they're, they're the bully of, the, of that family. Now, I think when we're going to start trying to catch those, we're going to get a little more serious with our equipment. And um, I watched a guy on a video this week, and he basically had a broom handle, <laughs> and he had a shoe. <laughs> looked like looked like the size of my shoe, and that was his lure, and he threw it out there in these gigantic alligators well, called muskies. Why, why are they such big lures? I mean, they they look like pieces of wood with the hooks hanging from them well i i think it's because the fish has such a big mouth and and they're the predator of the lake so aggressive they they, they'll eat everything i mean i even read they'll eat their own you know their babies spawn the the babies they'll eat the bass they'll eat the they'll eat everything but if that's the case then why wouldn't they uh overtake the, the that particular lake and it would be all musky I don't know the answer to that because I've I've asked the same question and and apparently they just have there's some sort of homostasis a balance of, of between the bass and walleye or bass and musky or musky and pike and I think it has something to do with Lion King and the circle of life I think oh, you know that's these cool. these yeah, animals, that, yeah that works bring <laughs> it back to Disney I like that yeah. <laughs> they they find a way to live in harmony together so that's going to be a little bit different. I, I, I would, bet you if you pull one of those in the boat and that grabs on your hand, I bet you're going to know it. I don't think you want to have one grab on your hand. I, you weren't with me the day I caught. Dude. I caught a pike that was 42 inches long, 14 pounds. Uh, okay, i got to tell the story. I Is caught that, it three times. Is that Macoke? Up at Macoke Abotton in, uh, on the Albany River. I caught it three times. I had a big, giant um, spoon with a white twister tail hanging on the end of it. And I threw it into the bottom of a waterfall. And I let it sink. And I got a hit. I reeled it up to the boat. As soon as it came up to the boat, it uh, I saw it. Open its mouth, let it go. Oh, wow. And off it went. I thought, holy smoke, I wonder if he'll go back down there. I did it again. Hit. 
bring it in by the boat, opens its mouth, lets go of it, goes back into the same spot. I said, is there any way I can do it again? I throw it back down. This time, hit, I opened the bale. Just let him run. I said, just eat it. Get it down into your large intestine, and then I'll set it. I let it run, 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 run until it didn't run anymore. Clicked it, bared down, hit it hard. I had it. I brought it in. We landed it in the boat. It was on, had to have a net because it was just too big. Couldn't pick it up. Got it in the boat. It was flopping around like an alligator, and it bit my boot. I mean, it locked onto my boot. (laughs) It had teeth on it like a dog. And it, I had to take an oar and keep cracking it in the head to have it let go of my boot. It's like it's like fishing for alligators. It, it was amazing. I, I, I don't know what it is with pike. I, I think they're a nuisance. I personally think that they're garbage fish. They're like gars. I mean, the only way that I've subdued them, which I've been told you're not supposed to necessarily do it, but I grab them, pinch them by the eyes, the eye socket, and that's how you lift them up. Don't go the gills. Right. Like traditional. Like Can't bass. do it. Your no. hand's not big enough. It's it's twice, three times as big it, as your hand. It, were you fishing at the at the mouth of the Albany there at that pool where we went up that one year? Yeah, yeah. Is that where you dropped that in right there or was it? No, no, no. I was, I was at the point where the island was our little lunch island. Yep. And then I went off to the left and up into a place that had traditionally been pretty shallow. Yeah. But it was like medium, and when I went as far up in as I could, I found the waterfall where the runoff was coming from the top, and there was just a pool, just a deep pool and a little waterfall, and I, I could barely get the boat there. But once I got it there, it was pretty deep, and I just we just sat in the pool and we were throwing the lures right into the bottom of the waterfall where the water was turbulent, and that's where I caught it, and uh, I was with a guy named Ralph. And uh, he, he thought it was pretty funny seeing me take the oar and keep cracking the thing <laughs> in the head. <laughs> now, back in those days, we didn't know. We didn't know you could just take a nice picture of it and bring it home, and a guy would make you one out of graphite, and it would be beautiful to hang on your wall. I was so excited, I hauled that fish home to oh. mount. Did you mount it? I mounted it. I have it, I have it at it. my house. Yeah. But I had to put it in a wet bag and fill it full of ice, and I... F- I drove that thing all the way back from there to Columbus, Ohio. From where? Well, from, I thought you flew in from. Well, we didn't. We didn't fly back in those days because that was from Akina up into into Macoke. Yeah. So what I did was I I packed it in ice in a in a wet bag and I flew it out of the of the um, fishing camp back to Nakina and I drove from Nakina all the way back to Columbus. And I had this bag filled with ice, and I kept it on ice for the entire trip home. And then I took it down to your buddy, and uh, he uh, did a nice mount. I still have it today. It's a, it's a beautiful fish. I feel a little bit bad about the fact that uh, I, I harvested it. But today, you don't have to do that. Today, as I understand. Now you take a picture, and you do a cast of it or something. Yeah, which brings to mind another story about the time I caught the smallmouth that was gigantic. And um, brought that in, and we brought that home and gave it to your friend. and uh, Disappeared. Uh, I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get it. Still waiting for that. It's, it's only been, it's what, gone. 15? Let it, let it go. 15, let it 20, go. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm not sure what he did with that. I don't know if he, he just kind of got drunk and I, forgot I, about I, it. I, or... I only have one bass that I had, I had uh, 
uh, mounted, and I caught up at Ronnie's Lake, but I did it on a fly rod that I made. Oh, wow. And a fly lure that I made. Wow. This is about a three-pound smallie. Wow. It's, um, Did I ever tell you about the time I caught a, uh, a pike at McCoke on a fly rod? No, I didn't know you fished fly rod up there. I took my fly rod up there one year. And I was down at the uh, at the Orvis shop, and I said to the guys, I said, well, is there any chance I can catch a pike on a fly rod? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's no problem at all. He said, what you do is, he was showing me how you set it up, and you put these hooks on it, and then you get these white, long tails, and they're like fur, and they're like white fur, and it was about six inches long. He said, you just take and you throw that out into the weeds, and you just run it through the weeds. And I caught it, and I got to tell you, it is not easy to land no, oh, because you got to pull. You got to strip that line, pull it back. It's not easy to land a pike with a fly rod. <laughs> it was kind of dumb. It was fun, and we landed it. And it was probably like an eight or ten pounder, but it was pretty exciting actually. So, for those of you out there in our audience that like fly fishing, you know you you can fly fish for pike. You can fly fish for smallmouth. Um, anything that's in six, eight, ten feet of water. And these fish are in they're in they're in pretty shallow water. They're not they're not all that deep. You can catch them on a fly rod. I uh, it's not my particular favorite thing to do because it's it's a little harder to land them because you got to horse them in. Yeah, it's a little bit. You typically have a net. Which speaking of which, I I did see that the um, um, Nestor Falls the Outfitters will provide um, nets. And yes. Life vest. Yes, I did. I talked to the outfitter, and uh, I made our plea for the fact that we're flying, and we had limited space, and she's going to provide all of our nets and uh, all, of our, uh, all of our vests. Like so we any, don't have to worry about that. Yeah, like uh, any, any other uh, provincial uh, regulations, fish, uh, game and fish, um, you need life vests, uh, one per person in a boat, so... Well, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, I don't I don't need a net. You know, it's like I just reach down in the water and grab them. I got to tell you what, you get up on that big water in Canada. Yeah, you reach down you, in the mouth you, of one of those pike or muskie. You better, you, better you better have a net because as that hand comes down there and they see it, they get pretty frisky. And that can be, well, you what happens is more often than anything, you break your line and lose your fish. Right, right. I mean, that's what happens most of the time. Now, another little interesting sidebar. Um, a lot of guys use a steel leader and, uh, I never use a steel leader up there and, uh, I don't know, I probably should, I guess if I was a pure pike fisherman, maybe I'd I, be more at using it, but I think yeah, it changes I, the presentation I, a little I, bit. I'm with you. I don't, I don't, um, I've got them in my, in my bait box, but, um, I don't use a steel leader. I think, um, the shininess of the steel um, it doesn't flow or move natural in the water, and I think they feel it. So I, I think it changes the presentation. I it, think they it, are a little. I mean, they're, what they're looking for is the wounded bait fish. You know, they're, you're trying to simulate a little small shad right. that are kind of kind of flailing a little bit, and that's what they like to go after because they, they're not moving too fast, and so they can hit them. So, uh, third species we're after, never have caught one, don't know anything about it. You're going to uh, figure it out, and you're going to show me how to do it, because uh, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have to study this, is the lake trout. What do we know about the lake trout? Well, the first thing I'll tell you I know about it is 
Uh, oh, let me digress for one moment. Um, when I did a little reading this week about the muskies, pretty much the consensus is don't waste your time trying to eat them. Really? Pretty hard deal. Um, they actually said... Is like, like like the pike with the Y-bones in the back end? It's not only the pike with the Y-bones. They talked about the fact that they are so old that it's a little bit unfair to the lake to take them out. And the second thing, they talked about them being poisonous. They can be poisonous. They concentrate uh, mercury and any other toxins because they're so ravenous. They're, they're kind of a predatory, ravenous fish. And they will eat just about anything. Kind of like a carp. And I guess they smell bad, too. I, the guy on the website I was reading about said that you cut into a, a muskie to try to eat it. The smell can be fairly noxious. I didn't know that. And he was like, and if you can get past the smell and you can get it to meat and all that when you fry it well, up, I guess it's not we too were, bad. If we were standing out there in the bush, we'd be eating muskie. Oh, yeah. If you're hungry, you'll eat anything. But. I don't think it's worth our time. I, no. don't, I don't think we're going to waste. I think we're going to go with bass fillets. Bass fillets. But now let's get back to lake trout. So I like the lure the guy showed on the video I watched. The video, the lure looks to me like uh, my toenail clipper, and it's got a hole in the middle of it. So it, like in the fulcrum point, at the middle point, with hooks on each side. And um, you don't even need to put anything on the hooks. You don't need to. You don't need to bait them with rubber or anything. You just take that shiny, that shiny thing, hmm. and you just put your rod over the side of the boat, open the bale, and drop it to the bottom. And then you, now obviously, you use your fish finder and see if you can find some speckles in the water and some structure in the water down in the deepest part of the lake. And they're and, just going for the shine. The, they're going the, for the shine. It's shad. They're looking for like shad, the sparkly, silvery, shiny. And the guy was like, "You just put it. You just drop the open the bale, drop it. You don't need to cast no, or anything. And I you would, drop it, and you you just kind of bob it up and down yeah. three or four times. And, and if they're down there, they'll hit it. And I would, then I the, would, the fight sounds the, uh, pretty good. The lake trout would be pretty good to eat. Very good to eat. I, it's a, it's probably it's in the family of the salmon. Yep. So, um, and I know the Canadians, uh, those folks, I mean, when you go up there and you, you know, we get a lake where there's somewhat public access and the Canadians are out there, they're trolling. That's yeah. They, they troll hard. Yeah. They, they, now, this guy didn't even talk about trolling. He never mentioned it. He, um, oh, he, he so, so it was just, uh, he was more about fish finder, structure, depth, seeing them. And dropping down on them, he wasn't. He didn't. He never brought up trolling. I I, I like to think we're gonna. You know, hopefully we'll catch a lake trout. Lake trout, and uh, I'd like to pan fry one of those up. Well, I mean the slabs. The slabs this guy was cutting up on the web look pretty impressive. And uh, I, again, I think we're back to this whole thing where um, it may not be the first choice, but I think if it's an hour old. You take and cut, and the slabs come off really nice. There's not a lot of bone in it. There's no bone in it, actually. Um, I think you, you, get, you get those off. They're an hour old. You put the right batter on them, get them deep fried. Oh. Right Ooh. tartar sauce. Cold I got, Canadian. I got a feeling with a cold Canadian, you won't even know what you're eating. It Man, could be, that is heaven. That's heaven on earth right there. <laughs> and I'm hoping we I'm hoping we catch them because I think we will. I think there's a very good chance we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna catch them. And um, the lake looks like it's pretty well loaded with them. Um, 
What do you think about our group we got going? We got a nice we got a nice size group. We got eight guys. One of the things I would say to our listeners when you go on a fishing trip, one of the worst things you can do is get the wrong group of people. Oh yeah, we've been down that road with the. Um, uh, I think we touched on some previous podcasts. We went we got dropped in on Des Moines River with uh, uh, Tom Kirby, rest his soul, uh, cardiothoracic uh, transplant guy. Uh, surgeon out of Cleveland Clinic, I think, in Toronto. Uh, found out later during that trip, he was a, uh, I don't know what they call the can- Master canoeist. Master canoeist, which is like an Eagle Scout here in the U.S. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he, and, uh, he was very savvy on the water oh, in a that canoe. Guy, that guy, you know, the, 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 the two things I remember about him is the incident at um, some falls where we came over and we broke uh, broke the anesthesiology resident like a dry twig. And then when I was so thirsty because we were, we were making our own water, um, pumping it out of the lake, uh, which we're going to learn about that here uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to a wilderness medicine uh, conference. Excellent and, point. Uh, hey, let's tell our listeners, if you you don't have to be a doctor. To do this, if you go on to Google and Google Wilderness Medicine Society and you see the conferences they have, I think they have two, maybe three conferences a year, and they're usually in pretty fun places like Big Sky, Montana. Well, yeah, they've got them all over the world. They've got them in, in Patagonia. They've got them down into Machu Picchu. They've got them in uh, uh, Fiji. You can do some uh, uh, water stuff there. You can even go to Base Camp uh, Everest. Yeah, seventeen thousand feet. And uh, and and they and then of course they have a few here. Um, but um, good group of guys, great information. Uh, this one's going to be out in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah, but uh, you don't have to be a doctor to go to that conference. But I'll tell you, that's a good conference to go to, even if you're not a doctor, but you're an outdoorsman, because you learn a lot about water purification. Basic first aid, yeah, splinting, basic uh, fracture management. Uh, how do you get through a, a, a really cold night when you don't have any hy- heat? Hypothermia, uh, how, how, do how you to build man- a fire, a shelter. Yeah. Uh, There's some good stuff there. That's a great conference. I really, I really highly recommend that conference. But, but, but uh, yeah, going, going back to Tom, uh, you know, um, we, we were. <laughs> Day two, day three, we knew it was like now it was deliverance. It wasn't like this five-day trip down to Des Moines. And I was so thirsty, and we pitched camp. And that's when my my brother, the attorney, um, who basically was just running on Starburst and uh, uh, Skittles. Well, he had 3% body fat, so he really didn't have (laughs) – he had no reserve whatsoever. I think that's when we pooled all of our – our candy is what my father would call ghee dunk, what, yeah. they, what they call in the military during the Korean War. Yeah. Give me some ghee dunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in the canoe with him, so I would just, <laughs> when, when he would stop paddling, I'd give him a handful of uh, <laughs> of Skittles and just kind of rev him back up again, get his blood sugar back up again. But, but we pitched the tent and uh, threw him in the tent, and I remember looking over at Tom Kirby, and it was like a Looney Tunes cartoon where the guy looks at the other guy as a giant chicken. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Tom pull out of his backpack a bottle of canadian um canadian club canadian club yes that's it no 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 was it it was was it the club no it was club it was a dark bottle of a gold label yeah yeah and he was drinking i said oh it was like just water spring water coming over a waterfall i said hey 
Tom, can I have a couple of sips of that? Yeah, a couple of sips turned into a couple cups. Yeah, and that's when I went down. I dropped like a rock. I think you slept outside. You had all I kinds for, of all I kinds forgot of to, I forgot and to critters get, running across. I forgot the to get in the tent that night. I, I forgot to get in the tent. <laughs> and I slept out by the fire and with, with all of the animals. And uh, a squirrel ran across my face. Right, right. Well, it kind of startles me a bit, but uh, apparently that's that wasn't bothersome to him. But uh, but you know you got to bring the right guys on a trip, and that's another thing I would say to our listeners is everybody isn't eligible for these kinds of trips. You got to know the people you're with to some extent because there's some unknowns in these trips. There's bad weather. Um, there's, you know, man, maybe not as much water, maybe not as much food, maybe things just, things just don't always go like they're planned. I mean, uh, and I, you know, uh, you know, you're right. The group is uh, an important piece because this, this one guy we went up with, uh, Tom, I think got him just as a ballast for the front part of his canoe, but, uh. Um, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good to know your crowd because I'll tell you what it you, you get you get three solid days of dark clouds and pure rain. It can get a little discouraging. Yeah, and you don't you don't need anybody with you that's going to go negative. You gotta you gotta find you gotta say to yourself, you know what? Better to be out here on a bad day than it is to go to work. Right, right. That's how right. I look at it. I'd rather be out here with my rain suit casting catching fish rain pouring down uh i got a cold one yep cold um, I'm, I'm catching fish i'm eating fish tonight better than going to work yeah. and uh and you got to have guys with a good attitude but um it, yeah. can, it can be it can be challenging if you get the wrong guys with you and we got a nice group ahead of us yeah I think I, we're gonna be all right i you know my my cousin kevin and his sons my son uh a friend of tyler's uh uh, a- Andrew, who is a hospitalist in um, North Carolina. Well, South and they're, Carolina. they're those guys. You know what I like about those guys? They don't. They don't. We don't have to babysit them. No, I, they, I mean they they're going to go out and explore. They're going to go explore the lake. They'll yeah. they'll be on that back lake on the first day. They won't even stop. Might, they might head there straight away first thing. Yeah, I think I think the only the only uh, addition to this group that we normally go up with is uh, your son Dan. Dan's going to be over in Europe. He just got married. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you the other, the other wild card is bringing my daughter. I mean, she, Ooh. she's another whisper. I mean, she can get out there and. Uh, we had a laugh the other night at Dan's reception. His wedding was over the weekend, uh, and uh, we we were standing there talking to uh, to Elise, uh, Tyler, and I, and we chuckled about the time up there at that uh, at that lake at Barry Barry's Lake. I don't know what the name of the lake was, but. Uh, we we didn't have any green food. We didn't have any fruits. We didn't have anything. And somebody pulled out an orange, <laughs> and and Elise divided that up, and each of us got like a slice of yeah. an orange. Yeah. And that was just oh, well, he thought that was a hoot. That yeah. was funny. Yeah, it was like the first vegetable we'd had. <laughs> it's like we all had scurvy, and we were looking for four days without <laughs> any fruits or vegetables. We. We were like gathering around the orange cutting, like it was a ceremony. Like, yeah, yeah. So Elise was the uh, the keeper of the orange. But she, <laughs> but you know what? She also went out there and she found fish. That's one thing about that girl. She's got, she's got a nose for she's got a nose for the wilderness. I that mean, was cool. We went in the back lake, and Elise and Dan and uh, my my son in law Kurt, uh, 
you, you, we were, you and I were in the same boat. We were there, and we would catch these small hammerhead pike, these real small pike, and there happened to be two bald eagles. Oh, up, yeah. Up, yeah. Up, in, up in the trees. That was beautiful. And we'd throw these, these small hammerhead pike up on the shore, and the, and the eagles would come down and, and get them. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, she loved that. Them. She loved that. She took pictures of that, and she, she really kind of brought the, again, back to the circle of life. You know, she knew that... Uh, Couple, couple flopping fish out on the shoreline would oh, really they, attract the eagles. They came down right down and picked them right up and took them off. Well, Dave, I think that's a, that's a good summary of how you go on a fishing trip. A um, uh, couple things for our listeners. We're going to, uh, we've got a portable, um, basically a recording system we're going to take with us up there. Yeah, we're going to do somewhat of a live, impromptu, kind of in the boat uh fishing experience with uh you and i and uh yeah probably yeah. some of the folks there are the the nephews and the yeah uh, yeah i think we could do i think we can do a couple of nice interviews we can do some uh live discussion while we're in the boat uh we can do some live discussion at the camp and uh i think we can provide some entertainment as to what goes on on a fly-in fishing trip and i i think that'll be i think yeah. that'll be entertaining and uh, coming, coming, finishing up with uh, coming back to a little bit of medicine, um, which uh, I saw for today, um, had a uh, a patient who presented uh, in our clinic um, a w- weird event where he got a piece of uh, steel stuck in his, uh, went in his finger and buried in his bone and was... Uh, trying to work on that and dig it out and it's you know he's bleeding like a it's like i was butchering a hog in, <laughs> in the clinic and uh um you know going through the the pre uh procedure uh what you know what's your past medical history what's your medications uh don't know don't have any uh do you take any medications uh, i take a blue pill white pill purple pill so my advice is if you're on any medications Put them on a card and keep them in your purse, your wallet. That way, you know, if you're unconscious and you present to the ED, emergency department, for you folks out in Tumwa, Iowa, um, they, they've got some sort of record of what you're taking because it does affect how physicians treat you. Um, well, it has to make a big difference knowing what, what you're dealing with in terms of uh, taking care of a patient versus just kind of coming in there and, like, uh, just winging it and they have some issues that could be contradictory to the therapy oh, you, that you're you, about to provide and, and you provide some medicine they're they're allergic to or it's contraindication to the medicine they're taking then uh, everything goes south and then you start uh, trying to uh, remove them from the circle uh, that they're following through the drain well that's that brings to point an, another thing about going on a fishing trip you know i i personally have the luxury of traveling with you and your cousin who are very good at preparing for us to go on a trip oh, like this. Oh, yeah, we we can take your your appendix out up in the bush. And uh, yeah, I know that uh, I know that you and your cousin are going to have a full grade, first class trauma center Mash in, unit. in a small bag with you. And maybe that's the other point about going on a fishing trip. Always take a doctor. 
<laughs> yeah, we've we've got what one, two, three, four docs. Right, we're taking four doctors yeah, with us: hospitalists, uh, anesthesiologists, emergency medicine physician, and a uh, plumber. Yeah, and uh, the, and the problem there is uh, you get you get a lot of cooks in that kitchen, and we'll never agree on what to do about taking care of a problem. But at least we've got some. But you know, you should you you really should have some sort of a first aid kit when you go on these trips because. Um, you don't have immediate access to the healthcare system and you don't have a cell phone. You don't have, you can take a satellite phone, but you're hours from getting yeah. somebody to come in. Which was, I think is a good point. So I think next, uh, maybe next, uh, podcast, we'll talk about like a bug out bag, like a, uh, a prep ready bag, uh, yeah, that I, the uh, general population can kind of put together that would, uh, help them with over the counter meds, maybe some prescription meds. Uh, first aid equipment, splinting equipment, things like that. Well, let's just let's just kind of just brainstorm a little bit who our next couple guests might be. One of them could very well be your cousin. He might be able to talk to us from the standpoint of being an emergency medicine physician about how he prepares for a trip like this. Yep. And, and uh, I'm sure he's got a couple interesting stories. We've got a an accomplished attorney out there who is uh, got his own band, who does a bunch of '80s cover stuff. We would like to get him on our show, and uh, we've had a very nice response to our previous two guests. Um, people seem to like listening to uh, some other perspectives, so we're going to be continuing to look for uh, the kinds of shows that those of you that listen to us want to hear trying to provide interesting stuff, some entertaining, some informational, yeah. some maybe things you just never thought about. And I think uh, for the folks listening, if you have any, you know, questions or, again, if you have any ideas that you'd like to hear from some specialist, uh, we'll bring them on and we'll talk about uh, topics that you're concerned with, uh, general medicine, surgical, anesthesia, um, primary care, autoimmune, um, infectious disease any any, any type of uh, topic we'll go through so uh all right send, send us those uh, questions to our email yeah let me land this plane with a couple plugs about our site so our site is two docs on a boat the number two docs on a boat.com you can go there and see some pictures of some of the fish we catch we'll actually put some new stuff on there after the fishing trip so you can see how this trip went um, we have, uh, email addresses on there. We have a number of ways for you to contact us. We're on every, um, uh, podcast platform out there in terms of, uh, Apple, Spotify, and Google, and then a variety of others. And so, uh, yeah, when you go to those sites, please listen to us, please check, uh, subscribe, please check like, and, uh, we will try to continue to contact and connect with you. And you can ask us anything you want. And if you have a great idea for a show, we'd be more than happy to talk about it. And I I think our goal is, as we kind of retro and pro look at uh, perspective, look at where we're at and what we're doing, we're going to try and bring these uh, informative uh, medical uh, outdoors bush topics on a uh, at least a a biweekly, maybe a weekly basis so we can get into some sort of regular routine. Yep. And uh, I think with that, we'll wrap it up and call it a night. And we hope you continue to listen to us. We're having fun, and we hope you like listening. And please, uh, please share with us what yeah. you what you think. Thanks for listening.
David, it's been it's been a blast. I love it. It's fun. Rusty, good fishing. All right, good fishing. Good fishing.